Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, which should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. We've interviewed a number of women over the years with breast cancer, but I don't think I can recall anyone with what is called DCIS grade 3. Now, I had to look that up because it's a type of cancer that is more likely to come back after it's removed with surgery. And added to that, our guest also has multiple sclerosis. And joining us from Wisconsin to tell her amazing story is Christine Righeimer. Christine, good of you to do this. We appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Christine, when were you diagnosed with breast cancer? It was a year ago, September 21st, 2021 is when I was on the phone call. And when you got the phone call, went to the doctor, did you suspect it may be cancer? No. I had just gone in for my annual mammogram, and they said there were some suspicious findings that they wanted me to come back and have a a more detailed mammogram that was closer, focusing on the one spot. And so I went back for that, and they did a biopsy. I had been on the road. I was traveling when I got up phone call from my doctor. I was 10 minutes from my neurologist's office for an appointment with him when my doctor called to tell me the results of the biopsy. And you were you're given the results of the biopsy. What, what did they say? Well, when I first talked, it was just to my general doctor, and she called to tell me that my biopsy had come back positive for cancer. And my question was, well, what stage are we? What is it? And she said, well, you'll have to talk to the surgeon and the other doctors to explain more of that. So at that point, I I didn't even know. It was just, you have cancer. Like I said, I had been on the road because I ride horses and I show horses and I had been traveling around and I didn't want to know the results until I got back home. So I kind of mistakenly answered the phone when they told me that. And I was 10 minutes from my appointment with my neurologist at the time. Were you shocked? Yeah. I mean, it didn't even hit really, you know, just you have cancer. Like, okay, well, Corey, you immediately came to mind because I've been following you and on Facebook. I, I mean. Years and years, I don't know, seven, eight years, you had a different account, you lost that one, you set up a new one. I've been following them all. Oh, you you managed to find me. Okay. I, I was not going to lose you. And as soon as I got that phone call, I knew I'd be calling Corey at some point. Now, when you were given the diagnosis, what sort of options were you given by the doctors on how to treat this? Well... The first thing they did is, well, you're going to have to set up an appointment with your surgeon. They'll tell you more. 
The hospital I'm with has a my chart online, so you can actually go and look at your results. So that's when I got to a computer because I was driving and I could pull up the results. That's when I saw for myself that it said DCIS grade three of three. So it's not like I was in a doctor's office and they said, this is what you have. That's that's what I saw. So the first thing they did is set me up with a surgeon. And I wanted to go to all these doctors to hear what they were going to be saying and doing and the options they were giving me. And the options they gave me was, I mean, it's the standard operating procedure, standard of care. Everybody, they say, to get a lumpectomy and radiation and then hormone therapy. Those are the things they want you to do. It's everybody. It doesn't matter what stage DCIS you have. Which in DCIS is ductal carcinoma in situ. So that's the standard of care they want you to do lumpectomy, radiation, hormone treatment. Before I did that, I also got a genetic test to see, you know, is there some sort of genetic factor that goes with this? Also expecting that to be negative, and that came back positive for a check two mutation which is not as dramatic as they call the BRCA gene, which is the breast cancer gene, but it is a gene that you're 20, I think it's 20 to 40% more likely to develop breast cancers and pancreatic cancers. So now once that came back, the conversation turned to, well, do we want to consider a mastectomy then, preventative mastectomy to do that? And having been an MS patient for so many years, I I don't travel the normal path. I I really never have. And so immediately I was thinking, well, they're telling me I need to disfigure myself. And there's even studies that do what's called a watch and wait, where it's called the comet studies, I think. I mean, there's people that just want to treat naturally. They don't want to go in and disfigure themselves. And I'm thinking, well, that's, that's my game. And now I have a genetic factor and they want to disfigure me. In the back of my head, though, I thought, no, I'm, I'm going to Corey. That's not going to be happening. I'll be talking to Corey. <laughs> That's kind of the beginning of the journey as that was happening. And they're telling me all these things. And then they want to get an MRI. The MRI showed some distortions. I also have been in touch with, and I have to follow up and tell this doctor, I having MS, I've also been involved in a lot of trials over the years. I figure if I'm if I'm going to be sick, I might as well try and help people learn something. And so I found a trial in LA that does something called cryoablation, where it's not a surgery. And, I, and I'm also thinking, MS, you know, I, I don't want to do a surgery if I don't have to. Any type of shock to the system like that, and that's a big thing that can set the MS back. You know, and now I'd be dealing with issues from the MS exacerbating and I'd be disfigured. It was a pretty bad picture that was being painted all for something called DCIS. So I was thinking about getting into that trial and talking to that doctor. And he then said, well, we need an MRI guided biopsy to find out what that is on your MRI. Now, this is a long period of time that all this is going on. My, my diagnosis was September. 
And I'm, you know, I'm getting MRIs, I'm getting ultrasounds, I'm going to this doctor. I saw a radiologist, I, I went to the oncologist, I went to the plastic surgeon, and everybody's the same thing, you know, here's your options, get a lumpectomy and get radiation and, or go in and just get chopped off. Here's your options, your life looks great, go for it. What of those options did you choose to do in the end? Any of them or? No, I, I got all of all that information. I mean, this is, I don't even remember when I talked to you. I think, you know, the diagnosis was September and I went to all these appointments to get information and then I called you. Might have been December when I called you because I didn't want to call you without all the information. And I called you. That was my option. And I said, went back and forth and said, all right. I need you now. And we set up our conversation and you said, well, what have you done? Have you done chemotherapy? Have you done radiation? And my answer to you was, no, I've done nothing. I've called you. And you said, oh, good girl. (laughs) Oh, did I? Okay. You You got an A. I did. You said, good girl. No, I wasn't going to do all that. With this diagnosis also, it's not like they were saying, oh, my gosh, you know, you're stage four, get in there now. Although my answer would have been the same. I would have called you. But I knew I had some time to do this research, to call you and do these things. And then, as you say, you got me pointed in the right direction. And I started the cannabis protocol in January of 2022. That would be that four to one ratio, THC to CBD. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We're, we're just seeing such huge success with that ratio. Yeah. So did you start right out the gate at a gram a day? Did you build up? How were you taking it? How many times a day? No, I didn't start right out of the gate with that. Cause one of the things I had said to you too, was I'm not looking to get high from this. I'm looking to get well from this. And you were explaining to me how to do the dosages and said, well, if you're getting high, you're doing it wrong then. So that that told me how to kind of follow the line. And so I started with the carrier oil mixed in with it. And I just started at a real small dose, the suppositories. And I did two suppositories a day and then the oral dose at night. And I try to do it every eight hours keep in my system. I got started just real small because I didn't know how I would react. And then, you know, I turned out I was reacting fine and slowly built up to where I could do the whole milliliter once a day. You know, well, it wasn't once a day. It was two doses of it that added up to a milliliter and then the nighttime. Yeah. Or one gram. Yes. Right. Oh, yes. One, the one gram. So when you took the nighttime dose, how did that feel? I mean, it felt great other than it, it doesn't really taste great. And there's the carrier oil that you take it with. And it was kind of nasty, but as nasty as what a chemo is going to be. Not as nasty as surgery and all of those things. I said, I'll do this any day over that. And I just did a little bit at a time to where... I think that you had said, Corey, like almost looks like a gram of rice on a plastic toothpick, not the wood, because the wood will absorb it, but a plastic toothpick. I'm really good at following directions. So I followed the directions 
And I would just do that at night before I'd go to bed. And it went fine. You know, I wasn't getting high from any of it. Oh, you weren't. Darn it. That's that's not good. <laughs> and the goal is not to get them high. <laughs> we didn't want her falling or something on top of everything else either. Yeah, I, I've already got balance issues. I have MS. The last thing I need <laughs> is to be wobbling over all around. My joke to people is when I, when you see me walk, some people think I'm drunk, and I would say, well, if I drink, I'll straighten out. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't looking to straighten out with the dose. And, I mean, I suppose I could have done more orally if, if I wanted that feeling, but I, it's just not my thing. When did you first uh, get an inkling that this was going in the right direction for you? When I was maybe at the half a gram and started moving up, I started noticing more so it, it, it was improvements in the MS. So that one of the common symptoms that I get from it is I take medication for the muscle spasms that I get. And in the evenings, I get where my muscles spasm and tighten up in, it, in my legs. And it's, it can be pretty painful. And usually every night I go through this, we'd be, you know, sitting in our evening at night, my husband and I, and watching whatever TV, and my legs would go through this. When I was still working, my legs would tighten up and spasm and hit the bottom of my desk. I like to work in the evening slot. And I'd be slamming the bottom of my desk with my legs as they were spasming and just kind of dawned on me this, it's not happening. I'm not getting those bad spasms in my leg. I, it's not like one night I went, oh, the spasms are due. No, they're not here. It's just all of a sudden, as we were having our normal evening, I'm like, I'm, wait, I'm not getting those spasms in my legs anymore. And the only thing that had changed was the cannabis treatment. Mm -hmm. How long have you had MS? Oh, I was diagnosed November 16th, 1990. Over the years, has it become progressively worse? Yes, it, it slowly progressed. And again, like I said, I I, I kind of go off the beaten path. Like I, I'm fine with Western medicine. That's fine. But I manage it. I, I look at them as they're part of my team. But there are so many people look at their doctors as God and they only do what their doctors say. And if that had been the case, I'd have been in a different place. But people can't see a lot of the symptoms at first. A big symptom is fatigue and the muscle spasms and brain fog. You start losing control of certain things because there's an interruption in the coating around your nerves called the myelin. And it wasn't until 2003 that it hit my balance. That was the hard part of it because I rode horses and I competed and suddenly when you don't have balance, that, that's a different world when you're flying over a jump and you have no balance, you're not going to stay on that horse. So it did start hitting in 2003 and slowly getting worse. I'm walking with a cane and then um, getting to a point where I'm using a scooter. It had never been to a point where I wasn't ambulatory at all, but Actually, see, and these are things that are hitting me as we're talking right now. One of the things is 
your legs feel like they weigh a thousand pounds. So imagine someone strapping cement on your legs and putting flippers on you in high heels. And now you have to walk and your feet aren't picking up and you're dragging them and they're heavy. See, as we're talking right now, I realize I don't have that heaviness in my legs. That's a, an, another thing. The heaviness started going away where they feel like they weigh a thousand pounds and you're tired and you can't move them. And someone has put wet cement on them and you're trying to get from point A to point B. So that's why you start, you know, scooters and canes and all of those things. And, and those are all the things that started happening over the years. You know, I, I have done some of those treatments. I, I take drugs for management, but I'm at the point where I've done treatments where there's really not a treatment for me anymore. I've kind of gone through things and haven't done well on a lot of them. I started a therapy called Lemtrada in 2015, which was a treatment for MS. And that took a while before I saw some improvements, but the heaviness never went away. But as I'm sitting here talking to you guys, I realize the heaviness is gone. You must have felt if it was helping your MS and it must have registered with you that it was working on your breast cancer. I just knew it was. I followed Corey. I've listened to all, not all of the episodes, a lot of your episodes. I'm on the road a lot listening to your episodes. So I, I felt very positive that I'm going to have good results from this. And so now you're, uh, where are you at as far as the breast cancer? Well, in the process of all of this, as the MS is feeling well, and I'm being my good diligent student and doing what I'm supposed to do. When I had the MRI guided biopsy, it wasn't until April of this year. And that's where they had thought there was something suspicious and they did some biopsies. And I do know also some people don't, don't even want to do biopsies. I chose to go that route. And I contacted you to tell you that the results of the biopsy were all benign breast tissue. And I was so excited because they were very worried about what they were seeing on the MRI. What well, was after I had done almost all of my treatment that that came back benign. And then the doctor that I had been working with on the West Coast said, okay, well, we need to get an updated mammogram for you because you have to have a mammogram within two months of the treatment that he would do, the cryoablation. And I said, well, my annual mammogram is due. So I scheduled that. My annual mammogram was August and I scheduled that and that was August 31st. So it wasn't that long ago. And the next day, my chart online said, you have a new result in your chart. And I went and I opened it up. You know, that hesitation opening up. This is the big moment. And opened it up. And I, I keep rereading it. It's totally clear. I, I mean, completely clear. Christine, when you read that and you, you got the all clear, did you celebrate? Oh, I'm still smiling. I can't stop smiling. So instead of taking suppositories, you took it orally. Yeah. No, you know, my favorite thing is ice cream. I am obsessed. <laughs> yeah. 
But I try to be good, you know, it's not good to be eating ice cream a lot. So everybody was saying your your celebratory ice cream. I've been letting myself eat ice cream more than usual. So that's my celebration, really. I've always had it. If I had to choose between wine, I love my wine, and ice cream, I'd have to go with ice cream. Christine, did the doctors ever ask you what you did? No, I haven't seen them yet. I don't even know what I'm going to tell them. It's Labor Day weekend. Today is the Tuesday after Labor Day. I got the results on September 1st. I mean, I'm almost thinking, did they mix them up with someone else? I just, it's just not real that it's still clear. So I have to follow up with them and tell them it's clear, but you know, I, I don't know what to tell them. I'm in Wisconsin and cannabis is, is not legal in Wisconsin. I don't know if I want to be telling them and have it in my chart that I'm a criminal. <laughs> well, you could tell them it was the ice cream. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, that's what I'll do. <laughs> Christine, what kind of MS do you have? Because people will ask. And also, please share with listeners what you're able to do with your leg when you're getting on your horse now that oh, you weren't able to do before. Yeah, this is this is the truly miraculous thing in my life. So I've continued to be classified as relapsing remitting. Although what that does is that turns into secondary progressive. And I do believe that's where I am. But they want you to be relapsing remitting to let you qualify for taking different drugs and doing different things. And neurologists, they love their drugs. And there's a place for for all of that, for all of those medicines. I, I'm not saying that there's not, but that's not the be all end all. I've ridden horses since I was nine. So I've always joked I'm I'm doing my own. It's called hippotherapy when people ride horses for occupational therapy, physical therapy to help them. But I've been doing it because I have horses and I've been riding. Well, I want to say it's seven, eight years ago, I had to switch to riding in a Western saddle. I'd always ridden in an English saddle and uh, shown and jumped and done all of that. But I had to switch to a Western saddle because there's more to the saddle to hold you. And it got to the point where as people that ride know, you put your left foot in the stirrup and then you have to swing your right leg over the saddle. I stopped being able to do that because I'd go to swing it and my right leg would freeze and spasm and wouldn't go up over the saddle. It would just get stuck. So I lost my independence in riding. It became something where I couldn't ride unless someone was there to then push that leg over the saddle. I'm a pretty independent person. So now suddenly I have to have someone with me all the time to help me do this. And the same thing, to try and get off, I now have to swing my right leg up and over the saddle. And I'd go to do it and it would just freeze, just spasm and freeze. And it's not even like, well, I'll really push it and I'll be able to do it. It just freezes. It's stuck. It doesn't move. There's nothing that you can do. So I had to have someone be there to take my leg and swing it back over the saddle so I could get off. But every time I ride, I still try. I'm always like, okay, let me just be the one to try. And it would get stuck and people are there. 
husband, we moved to the North Woods about three years ago, and my husband had to be the one to come to the barn with me now all the time. I don't keep my horses at home. I keep them at a barn. And he would have to come, tack up the horse, walk him around, and then help me get on. I couldn't do any of that. But I want to say now, I'm terrible with remembering exact dates. It's been a month, maybe five weeks now. I started being able to swing it up and over. And I remember the exact time when I did it myself, all by myself. The last time was last summer, just out of nowhere. This is last summer, one time in the last year, I was going to get on. And all of a sudden, my leg didn't lock up and it swung up and over. And I was woohoo! And so it's literally been a year since I did that. But then I I always keep doing it. And all of a sudden, it's swinging up and over the saddle and swinging up and over the saddle. And it's happening regularly. And then even I'd have to get on and then go, oh, I forgot something. I got to get off. And then it'd swing up and over the saddle again. Some people, this is nothing. But to me, this is huge. I am going to the barn by myself now. I don't have to have someone there. I don't have to have my husband there to swing my leg up and over the saddle. I am doing it myself. I'm just speechless. This will bring me to tears. I haven't done that by myself and gone to the barn and gotten on by myself in years and years and years. Yeah, I can tell it's uh, very emotional for you. I mean, you have a fantastic story, Christine. I mean, you you no longer have breast cancer. Your MS is improving, and it's fantastic. You're you're amazing, you know, to to overcome this breast cancer. But it sounds like this oil is just giving you a whole new lease on life as far as your whole MS journey is concerned. And I am delighted for you that you've got your independence back. That's so huge. Yeah. The only thing that's changed is the cannabis. That's what people say. What's changed? What's changed? But the only thing that's changed is adding the cannabis. It's the only thing. I'm playing with a dose. You know, I'm not doing the whole one gram. I've, I've kind of come down a bit to play with the dose where I can stay at a level that will keep that independent because I don't want to lose that. I know if I go down too much, I start feeling my leg spasms come back. I'm like, nope, that's not the dose. Got to move back up a bit. People take it for granted. They just don't understand. And it, it, for me to have that independence, it's life altering for me. So I'm cancer free and I can swing my leg over the saddle. Life is good. <laughs> Christine, thanks very much for doing this. We greatly appreciate you telling your story. Well, I'm honored that you would even ask me to tell the story. I'm telling everybody I know, Corey's probably getting inundated with messages from people that I've said, I'm cancer-free, I'm cancer-free. How'd you do it? Go to Corey. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. 
We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a -a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has can of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects network.